This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Turn with me in your Bible if you got it at home, pull it out off the shelf or out of your bag or wherever you've got it. Hopefully you, you have it handy and you have it close. Turn with me to the book of John, and we're going to be going there this morning as we are continuing our series called Uncertain Christmas uncertain Christmas. And I love that title because originally you think about everything that happened. 400 years of silence in the nation of Israel. No scripture written during that time. Uh, There were some things that happened. The Greeks invaded. The Romans invaded. It was not a great time for the nation of Israel. And they're waiting for a Messiah to come. And uncertain waiting and wondering when that's going to happen. And there had been kings that they thought, maybe this person's going to be the Messiah. No, it wasn't that person. Maybe this person's going to be the Messiah. No, it wasn't that person. But then, uncertain as ever, a virgin young woman is told that she is going to have the Messiah. She's going to give birth to a child who's going to be the Messiah, the hero, the savior of God's people. And imagine what that would have been like. You know, for us, it's easy. We know that Jesus was born at Christmas time, or at least we celebrated at Christmas time. For us, it doesn't feel uncertain. But there's also other uncertainty in your life. Surely this is a season where you've experienced uncertainty, at least on some level. And uh, today, I want to talk to you about the uncertainty of asking the question, who's God? Who's God? And so we're going to read from John chapter 1 this morning. If you're there, say I'm there. I'm just kidding. I can't hear you because you're over there. So we're going to read together. It says this in John chapter 1, reading from the NLT. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Look at this in verse six. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who was the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. That's an important point for us today. The world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Uh, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Come on, why don't we pray this morning as we unpack this scripture and and understand this question together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, for these kind of questions, asking who's God. Lord, we thank you that even in our uncertainty, you are certain. God, we thank you that when we don't know where to go, you have truth and you have direction for us. So Father, I pray this morning as we look at this and as we try to understand this and as we ask the question of who you are, that you would reveal yourself to people. Father, especially for those watching this morning who don't even know why they're here. Lord, I pray that they would just be able to continue with this and that you would speak to them clearly. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, one of the beautiful things about going home or, or even spending time with my in-laws is getting to watch TV. 
I don't know about you, but I'm a millennial, so that means that I don't have cable or satellite TV. I just pay for streaming services. I don't see the point in paying for cable. I don't see the point in paying for satellite, but I love that my in-laws do. And so whenever I go over, I find myself watching more TV than I normally do. In fact, we went over a couple months ago, and my son was like, what are these things talking about commercials? Because he's never seen commercials before. And I was like, oh, buddy, you don't even know. And he's like, can we fast forward through them? And I was like, no, you can't. It's the worst system ever for watching content. But one of the things that I do love, mainly we watch sports or HGTV. And all the DIYers are like, oh, I love HGTV. And all the guys are like, oh, my gosh. Husbands especially, I feel your pain. It's surprising to me how many home renovation shows one channel can have. I mean, I just don't get it. And all of them have their kind of like own little twist. Like, like there's like different people and you're like, oh, but they're different. They do really great tile work. And this person, they pick really great colors. And then there's like that one designer that everyone's like, I don't like their stuff at all. But there's this one show on there that I particularly, I found very interesting. And it's called Help, I Destroyed My House. Help I destroy my house. And the premise of the show, if you can't tell, is that someone has tried to do a DIY renovation and made it worse than it was before. And then they get the professional to come in, the host of the show to come in and fix the mistakes that they made. And they do this very reality TV, right? There's the dramatic music in the background. They're like rubbing their face in disbelief. It's almost like they ran over a pedestrian in the parking lot and buried them in their basement and they found the body. It's that intense. You're like, why is this so dramatic? And then my in-laws are like, reality TV, it needs to be this dramatic. But you're like, it's a renovation show. It, it doesn't matter. And like, shh, 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 just watch, just enjoy. And you know, it's funny because I am a DIYer. I'm a fairly cheap person when it comes to renovations. I would rather do the work myself than pay another person to do it. But I have realized this. There are certain jobs that you should not do on your own. There are certain renovations that you should just not attempt on your own unless you are already a professional. For example, I'm fine doing some drywall. I am fine wiring a switch. I refuse to put a beam into my house. I'm just not gonna do that because I don't want to die. I don't want my roof to collapse in the middle of the night due to high wind. I'm not an engineer, I don't know. I need the help of a professional. And you know, sometimes when it comes to DIY, we think that we can just do it ourselves. And I wanna tell you this morning, there are certain jobs that you should not do yourself, you should bring in a professional. And spirituality is one of those things. The reality of the spiritual life is that God made us as people to be in relationship with him. Right from the book of Genesis, when God makes Adam and Eve, he creates them to be in relationship with him. And we live in a culture and a world right now that by and large would be considered a post-Christian culture, a culture that has had a Christian heritage. They like the aspects of the kingdom of God, but they don't want the authority of Jesus on their life. They like the idea of social justice. They like the idea of equality. They like the idea of what the church ushered in when it comes to social care for the poor, etc. But when it comes to the authority of Jesus, they go, no, 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 I'll do, I'll do it myself. I'm not really interested in this. And I wanna, I wanna say this morning that spirituality, the quest to find God, the journey to ask the question, who is God, is not the kind of thing that we are meant to do ourselves. You're not meant to do it yourself. Asking the question, who's God, is not something that you are supposed to do yourself. In 2015, a research study found that 39% of Canadians considered themselves to be spiritual, but not religious. 
spiritual but not religious. I just want to park on that for a second because what that communicates, and that was in 2015, it's been trending upward since, um, but what that's communicating is that people are okay with the idea of spirituality. In fact, going back to the idea of being made for relationship with God in Genesis, even when we move away from relationship with God, even when we say, God, I don't want the authority of Jesus, I don't want to follow you, there is still a longing and a desire within the heart and soul of every single person. There is a spiritual need within you that says, I need to discover this. And usually what this leads people to is asking the question, well, who is God? What is spirituality? How do I figure this out for myself? But again, since we are living in this post-Christian moment, a lot of the time, the last place that people want to look is in the church. Whether it be through negative experience or the experience of their parents or grandparents, there's a reaction against the way of Jesus in Canadian culture today. And so people do this DIY spiritual thing. They want the spirituality, but they don't want the accountability. They don't want the authority of Jesus. They don't want it defined for them. They want to do it themselves. And so they start to gather these ideas about spirituality, you know, whether it be Instagram posts from an author or they find a blog or they find a podcast or they get into a yogi or whatever it is, they find some different ideas of spirituality that they think maybe this will satisfy me, maybe this will enlighten me, maybe this will awaken something within me and they start adding all these different little DIY spiritual components to their life in order to fulfill themselves. And you hear it all the time, like, well, I I do believe in karma. Well, no, no, I'm sending good vibes to that bad situation. I'm sending positive thoughts. You know, if you were to ask some of these people, well, what do you think about God? They're like, oh, I believe in a higher consciousness. Yeah, I believe in the energy of the universe. And whether it be new age or Eastern spiritualism or whatever the case may be, there is a longing and desire for spirituality in people's hearts. You know, you hear it in that kind of language. And when you ask people who God is, they, they have those kind of answers. And sadly, that person was made for personal relationship with God. And through all of their spiritual DIYing, they actually end up more confused and more lost and more disappointed when it doesn't deliver on the desire that they have in their heart. DIY spiritual and, uh, spirituality ends up wrecking the renovation of their house, so to speak. If you were to look at their heart as the thing that's being renovated, it ends up wrecking their house. And why am I talking about this? Am I just railing on culture? Did did I just wake up this morning and I was like, I'm just going to go against Canadian culture? Well, no. First of all, I'm I'm not doing this just to be looking at the negative aspects of our culture. Because if you're watching this this morning and that's you, you're looking for answers. We applaud you for being here. We love that you're watching. We actually believe that you're in the right place and that the answer is here and his name is Jesus. And we're gonna unpack that in just a second. But also I wanted to talk to you for a second, church. I wanna talk to you because the reality of this is, is, is this is what happens, is that whatever is happening in culture can start to work its way slowly into the church. You see, we hear this and we're like, well, I don't do that. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I follow the God of the Bible. But I I say this as a word of caution because if we are not careful, even as Christians who go to church on Sunday, we can start to embrace this DIY spirituality, DIY faith that we see all around us. And here's how I know. We start to define the boundaries of who we want God to be. We start to define the boundaries of what we want spiritually for ourselves, and in turn, we start to define God. Just as a moment of honesty, as a pastor this morning, as a Bible college graduate, can I be honest and say that there are some things about the teaching of Jesus 
that I don't like. There are certain things that Jesus teaches on that, that are hard for me to accept. There are certain things that Jesus says that I just go, ah, really? Like whether Jesus is talking about different sexual ethic or whether Jesus is talking about divorce or whether Jesus is talking about the power of what's happening in our heart or whether he's talking about loving your enemy or forgiving people or whether he's talking about some of the stuff that he teaches when it comes to hell and judgment. Just frankly, it'd be easier if it wasn't in there. It'd be easier if I didn't have to deal with that, if I didn't have to answer questions about that. It'd be easier if I could just go, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't talk about that. We like these parts of Jesus, but not these other parts. But the reality is that we can actually embrace that very easily in our life. Maybe it's the kind of thing where you're like, oh man, Jesus, I love the forgiveness stuff. Like, thank you so much for that. But forgiving other people, I don't, I don't love that. I also don't love the idea of enemy love, like love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Um, you know, I'm just gonna take this blog post from this alt-right troll and I'm gonna use that to justify hating people. And I'm gonna use that to justify commenting on their social media in the name of Jesus. And you're like, oh, that doesn't seem right. Or maybe, maybe you're like, you know, I, I love the forgiveness thing. I actually think that's beautiful. I love the social justice aspects of Jesus. I love that you care for the poor, that you wanna give money to the poor. But you know, when it comes to sex, like, I would rather take the podcast from the progressive theologians who have all left church, and I would just rather, you know, sleep with my girlfriend. That's just, that works better for me. And what we can do is we can actually pick and choose what teachings of Jesus we want for our life and what teachings we would rather explain away or leave behind altogether. Just as a moment of honesty, it would be easier to do that. And when we take that DIY approach, what we're actually doing is making God in our image, what we want him to be. John Mark Comer, a pastor and Bible teacher from Portland, says this in his book, God Has a Name. Here's how you know if you've created God in your own image. He agrees with you on everything. Whew. I don't know about you, when I read that, I was like, oh, that really hits right in the gut. You know, when we use that DIY approach to define our spirituality, what we actually end up doing is we shape our understanding of who God is and we start to tell him who he is. No, you're okay with this. You're fine with that. You will forgive me for this. That's, that's fine. We make God in our image when he agrees with us on everything. What we actually end up doing is we actually allow desire to shape and drive us to where we go. But can I say this this morning? Here's the thing about desire. Desire is a passenger, not the driver. On the journey of discovering who God is and asking the question, who's God? Desire is supposed to be a passenger, not the driver. But the problem is that what we tend to do, even in the church, is we put desire in the passenger seat or in the driver's seat and we say, where do you wanna go today, desire? What do I wanna do? How do I fulfill myself? How do I meet my every single need? Desire should not be in control of our lives because for 99.9% .9 of us, myself included, we have desires that are not in line with the heart of God. I know my own heart. I know the desires that I have that I'm like, ooh, I don't want anyone to know about that. And the danger is what happens if I let that desire into the driver's seat and start to dictate my actions and start to change my thinking and start to change the way that I see God. You see, for good or bad, driver, the desire should not be the driver of our lives. And if we don't let desire into the driver's seat, if we just keep it as a passenger, when we have bad desires, that's okay because it's not taking us anywhere. We can deal with it in the passenger seat. 
And when we have good desires, we can listen to the passenger, but we don't need to. We don't let desire control the way that we live our lives, church. As Christians, we actually allow something else to lead us. Paul hits on this in Romans 7 when he talks about not doing the good things that he wants to do, but instead doing the bad things that he doesn't want to do. And he has this whole moment in Romans 7. It'd be great if you could read it later today, where he just goes like, yeah, I can't help it. I don't know what it is. The sinful desire within me inevitably makes me do things I don't want to do. And I want to do good things, but I end up not doing them because of that sinful desire. And he says, who can, who can help me? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who can help me. But when we let our desire define who God is, when we take up the culture of the world and DIY our spirituality and DIY our faith, we end up creating God in our image that that looks exactly like how we want God to look. He does exactly what we want God to do. He never challenges us or causes us to grow. He never causes us to go from glory to glory or strength to strength. We don't get made into his image. He starts to get made into our image. And really that God ends up being useless to us. When we make God in our image, he has no power to help us because he's not actually God. The relationship that you were made for, he's not that relationship. If we make God in our image, he will not satisfy or fulfill us because what we've done is we've actually made an idol in our image. Paul talks about that in Romans 1. If you want some light reading today, go read Romans 1. See what he has to say about idols that we've made. No, no. The calling of a Christian is not DIY faith. It's not to pick and choose what we want to believe. Mark Sayers, uh, a pastor from Australia, said that his lead pastor, when he was just starting out, said to him, Mark, be very careful of believing whatever you want to believe. There's something about being led by desire that leads us down the wrong path. And what we need to do instead is allow Jesus to tell us where to go. The, The call of the Christian is to do it his way, not our way. It's not DIY faith, it's do it his way faith. It's to follow Jesus even when we desire something different, to allow him to define himself and tell us who he is, not the other way around, and therefore what his will is for human flourishing and not using ideas that we can just ignore, not just things that we can push to the side, but actually saying, no, God, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard, I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to take it to heart. I'm going to allow it to change me. The aim of Christianity is to know God for who he is, not just who we want him to be not just who we want him to be. So whether you're not a Christian and you've been trying to find God and fulfill that spiritual desire in your heart and you've been looking for answers and you found yourself here this morning or whether you're a Christian who if you're being honest with yourself, you're like, yeah, I do write off a lot of what God says and I kind of make him in my own image. I I got good news for you this morning. The beauty of Christian faith, the beauty of spirituality, the way God made it, the beauty of who God is, is that doing it yourself is not, possible. It was never part of the plan. And in fact, God knew that so much that instead of allowing us to do it ourselves and figure it out and do all the prayer and do all the reading, he came for us. He came for us. The professional stepped in. No longer was it about DIY renovation of our hearts. It was about asking God, "You, you need to come and fix this thing. And he went, that's what I'm doing. The beauty of Christmas is that God makes himself known. See, the way that we could do spirituality, if we're trying to do it on our own, we're DIY or the world's way of doing spirituality, is they take on spiritual stuff to try to find God. They take on spiritual stuff to try to inform themselves about who God is, but then they can't find the answer. But the beauty of what God did for Christmas is he went, here I am. 
This verse that we opened up with this morning, as we're talking about the word becoming flesh, it says that he came and took on flesh. He became a human and he lived among us. That means that you could touch, you could see, you could hear God in person, in flesh, so that he could relate to us. He didn't just want to be off in the distance somewhere and having people obey him. He wanted to be known. You were made for a relationship with God. And so he said, I'm coming and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make that relationship happen. And he came. That's the beauty of Christmas is that God makes himself known. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Whatever the failed renovation of the human heart, he is the professional that steps in and goes, watch this, we're, we're gonna make it better. It's not about effort, it's not about what you're doing. I appreciate it and everything, but watch this, do it my way. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And how does he make himself known? Not by giving commands, not by sitting up in heaven and saying, do this and do that and you'll find me. No, no, and he says, no, I'm coming. The beauty of Christmas is that heaven put a face on spirituality. Heaven put a face on spirituality. If you want to know what the, the highest form of spirituality that you could possibly live is, it's Jesus. Jesus is the archetype of the new human, what humans are supposed to look like. God himself defines what spirituality is supposed to look like. He answers the question of who is God by coming himself. In John 14, 6 to 9, Jesus says this, talking to his disciples, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What he's saying is the way that I have to live, the things that I'm teaching you, that's the way to live. If you're looking for fulfillment and satisfaction, you're looking to know God, you're looking to come alive spiritually, it's through this way of living. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? And look at this, I love this answer. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Look what Jesus is doing in this moment. Team, you guys can come back. Look what Jesus is doing in this moment. He's saying, oh yeah, no, no, no. You can know me. You're looking for God, I'm, I'm right here. You're looking for the Father, I'm right here. If you've seen me, you know who God is. You see this? God makes himself known through Jesus. We get a picture of who God is. The one who would rather die on a cross than let sin crush us. The one who would rather take his sin on himself than letting it bury us. The one who rose from the grave and brought us with him. The one who touched blind eyes and caused them to see. The one who touched the unclean and made them clean instead of becoming unclean himself. The one who took our shame and guilt and said, neither do I condemn you. The one who said, be still and calm the wind and the waves. The one who called the outcasts and the rejects sons and daughters of God. The one who said, wake up and the dead came to life. The one who took two loaves and five fish and fed 10,000 people, the one who challenged the religious elites, the ones who had outcast people from society, and he challenged them, and then he went to those outcasts, and he said, no, you're brought into the fold. You can be part of my family. The one who ate and drank and became a friend of sinners, the one who taught us the way of the kingdom and reshaped our thinking, the one who came to life, gave, give us life and life abundantly, the one who called misfits to follow him and become his disciples and leaders of the church, the one who succeeded where Adam failed and stood the test of temptation and instead of following his desire said no I do the will of my father who sent me the one who who uh, was born to a virgin in a manger as a baby 
That's the one. That's the one. That's the one you've been looking for. You ask the question, who's God? That's who he is. That's who he is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the everlasting father, prince of peace, wonderful counselor. He's our savior. He's the one who not only said, I can give you the way to live, but I'm actually gonna make it happen for you. I'm gonna bring you to life. I'm gonna pay for your sin. I'm gonna deal with your guilt. I'm gonna deal with your shame. That's who he is. Ask the question, who's God? He's everything wrapped in the body of Jesus. That's who he is. He's the God who came for us. He's the God who stepped in when we were not doing it ourselves. You don't need to find it in a blog or a podcast. You don't need to find it in an Instagram post or a book or a mindfulness seminar. God's not a concept. He's not an ambiguous idea. He's not just an idea that's out there somewhere. He is Jesus. He is the God from the beginning. The word that became flesh, the word that was with God and was God, through whom all things were made and all things are held together. He is God. And he's right here. He's right here. He's not somewhere that you can't find him. He's not at the end of a thousand different spiritual steps that you need to take. He's, he's right here. And if you've been asking the question this morning, like maybe why, you're asking, why don't I feel fulfilled? Why don't I feel satisfied? Is there more to life than this? The answer is yes, there is. And fulfillment and satisfaction come from starting to know God. And he didn't make it hard. He made it easy. He came himself. There was no DIY involved. It was, it was his way. He stepped in. And he came to make it easy for you by coming himself, by defining who he is, by taking out the guesswork, by saying, this is who I am. So this morning, I want to ask, do you know him? Do you know him this morning? Maybe you're watching this because you have been asking those questions. Maybe you've been living a life of spirituality without religion. Maybe it was fulfilling at first, but to be honest, it's, it's almost like drinking salt water. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. And you've been trying to find a spirituality that fits with your desires, that fits your mold. You've been taking the 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 script of society that says the way that you become satisfied is just by self-actualization, by being true to yourself, by fulfilling every desire you might experience. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, actually, you want life? You want abundant life? Come to me. Are you tired? Are you burned out? Are you weary? Come to me. Follow me take up your cross and deny yourself. And you're like, that doesn't seem like that's gonna be satisfying. But the God who made you, the God who made you for relationship, the God who knits you together, who knows every fiber of your being, says this is actually the way to do it. Who's God? He's Jesus. And he's here for you this morning. So if you wanna do that, if you wanna go, you know what? I wanna give that a shot. I wanna step into relationship with God. I wanna accept him. I wanna start living that way. It's very easy. I would just ask you right from where you are, right in your living room or in front of your computer, just to bow your head. And if you want to accept Jesus, 
I just want you to pray this prayer after me. It says in Romans that if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, that we will be saved. And that's what we need to do. We just say, God, I believe that you are God. Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you were. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you dealt with my sin. And I ask you to forgive me for all the wrong that I've done and help me live that life. Help me live that life. And if you prayed that prayer, I just want you to text the word faith to the number that you'll see come up on the screen just so that we can help you start that journey well. That's what we wanna do. We wanna help you start that journey well because there are questions. But here's the thing, we're not gonna give you our answers. We're gonna point you to Jesus because he is the answer. And in him, all the answers can be found. And so please, if you, if you wanna become a Christian this morning, just text that word faith to that number on the screen. And for the rest of us, maybe you've been in church for a while and, and something that I said struck a chord. Maybe something that you have been rejecting from Jesus has popped into your mind. Maybe you've been spending a little too much time in the comment sections. Maybe you've had a little bit too much hatred in your heart towards your brother or your sister. You know that Jesus actually says, if you have hatred in your heart, it's the same as committing murder. We don't like those verses. But Jesus is saying, actually, if you do that, you're gonna experience life. You're gonna experience fulfillment and satisfaction. And so this morning, if you're one of those people and, and you're like, man, I, I wanna stop making God in my image. I wanna follow Jesus. It says in the Old Testament that the kings of old, when they would reform a nation and bring them back to God, would cut down the high places. So here's what I wanna do, right from where you are, just close your eyes. And I just want you to pray. Whatever that thing is, I just want you to surrender it to God. And just ask, God, reveal yourself to me. Show me your truth. Show me your way. And show me your glory. And as we worship, as we sing this song, why don't you just continue to pray and ask God to reveal that to you. The beauty, church, is that God took the uncertainty out of Christmas. He took the uncertainty out of knowing who he is when he arrived in flesh. And even today, you can be secure in knowing who he is. And all we have to do is reach out for him. So come on, why don't we sing together and ask God to speak to our hearts.